We're going to be here in Genesis 1 and Hebrews chapter 11 tonight. And let's do the smart thing and have a word of prayer before we go and get started. Dustin, if you want to go ahead and get that PowerPoint up there, we will get going on that right away. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we just stop and say thankful for the time to be here. And we just pray, Lord, that as always that you would teach, we would listen to whatever you have to say here. And as we get a chance to start some new things, just pray that your spirit guide, leads, and directs in all ways and all things. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Starting a new book tonight. New book we're going to start tonight is the book of Genesis. Now, I don't like teaching the book of Genesis. Of all the books in the Bible, I find the book of Genesis probably one of the most intimidating books to teach through. And it's only because of chapter 1. The rest of Genesis, that's okay. Chapter 1, how do you try to teach and explain creation? How do you do it? I mean, seriously, how do you try to teach and explain creation? It's a very difficult thing to try to do. Very difficult. I had a Sunday school teacher years ago that told me this. If you can believe Genesis 1-1, you can believe anything. And that is the truth. I know people that believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. They believe in Jonah and the big fish. They believe in the crossing of the Red Sea. They believe all these amazing stories in the Bible, but yet they don't believe Genesis 1-1. And you know as well as I do, in the society and world we live in, Genesis 1-1 is completely and utterly under attack. It is. And what has happened is this, there's run into a lot of Christians that say, well, it's really not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal if we kind of just let the whole creation thing go, and we can let that go, and then we can just kind of move on. I think it is a big deal. And I think it's one of those things that we can't really let go. And I think it's important, because if God decided to start out the 66 books of the Bible with this idea of creation, that sets the scene. If we don't believe that God created Therefore, we don't believe that he is over everything. We don't believe that he's in charge. Where is the moral standard then? Where is the responsibility that we have? When we believe that he created, therefore he is the creator. And as the creator, he gets to set the rules. That's really what's under attack. It's not this idea of science of creation. It's really who's in control. If we believe that God created the heavens and the earth, as Genesis 1-1 says, we believe that he's the one in control. He gets to set the scene. If we don't believe Genesis 1-1 and we believe that we are an accident, we believe that we are the scientific result, well, then I have some say in the whole process. That's why Genesis 1-1 is vital and that's why Genesis 1-1 is important. Now, we've gone a couple different ways here on Genesis. We've talked through the book of Genesis and my goodness, it's been so long ago I forgot when it was. It was probably... 10, 11, 12 years ago that we talked through the book of Genesis. We did a few years ago a little uh, thing in October on a Sunday night service, and we had some stuff on Genesis 1. And so we've done a lot of different things with it. We've had Christian scientists come in over the years. Dr. Baker's come here a couple times and done some great jobs and some great things like that. Uh, We had David Perry one time a few years ago get up and talk about Genesis 1 and the science of it. He's a science teacher. So we've had some great background on it. But what I want to do here tonight is this. I'm not here to talk about the science of Genesis 1, and I'm not necessarily opposed to it. What I'm here to talk about tonight is the spiritual background of believing in the creation of God. I think that's what's important here. The science of it, I don't claim to be a science scientist, and I would actually encourage you to go listen to somebody else. Because there are great teachers out there that have done a wonderful job talking about Genesis 1, talking about creation that brings the Bible into it and brings science into it. And they do a much better job than I could ever imagine. If you are interested in anything like that, we have some of those DVDs out here. You can talk to Nancy and she would love to get those into your hands. Or if you just want to look some stuff up, we can give you some great names of people to go check out. There's some wonderful stuff out there. 
And I encourage you to get into it, study it out, listen to it, and it's absolutely wonderful. What I want to talk about here tonight, though, is the faith that comes into this. Because look at Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A simple verse. Now, do you believe that? Now, once again, a lot of people believe that. Some people believe that he created it in six days. They believe it was only maybe six, 7,000 years ago. There's some people that believe that, but he also used the process of evolution. There's some people that believe that, that he used this or that. There's some people believe that he did that, and it's taken billions of years to get to where we're at. See, it's not just simple enough to say, do you believe that God created? There has to come another step to that. And this is where also faith kicks in. And this is where a lot of us have problems with it. Remember this. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere am I called to prove to you that God exists. I think sometimes as Christians, we take that burden on our shoulders that we have to prove to people God exists. They come to me and say, I have a friend. He doesn't believe in God. What should I tell him? I usually say, tell him to look out the window. See creation. Well, he doesn't believe that God created it. That's what Romans 1 tells me to tell you. I can't prove to you God exists. I can't. And you know what? You're not going to like me saying this. And there will probably be some people out here who say, James, that's not true. Me personally, me personally... I, I can't come to you and prove that God created the world in six days, six, seven thousand years ago. I can't do that. I can give you evidence. I can give you DVDs. I can give you teachings that I've heard. I can have you read books. I, I personally can't prove it to you. So what happens is this. The world then looks at us and we're ignorant. We're very ignorant. We're ignorant because we look down on science, we look down on these things, we look down on all the facts that present how old the earth is. And so since we ignore that, we're the ignorant ones. Guess what Corinthians says? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. I'm a fool, according to the world. Because according to the world, I, I believe the world was created thousands of years ago, and I believe it was six days. I believe God created something out of nothing. I'm a fool for believing that. I really do believe that there was this man named Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, rose again. I'm a fool, according to the world. Problem is, for some Christians, that really bothers them. They think you're a fool. Let it go. Paul wrote 2,000 years ago, they're going to think you're foolish for believing that. That's okay with me, because to me, it's the power of God. I think that's important. So let's talk about this idea of faith. Now, the reason we did a PowerPoint tonight is because there's just so many verses to go to. I have no idea how far we're going to get tonight. We could get Genesis 1 done. We may stop in Genesis 1-1. I have no idea. So I wanted to put some verses out here because I believe it's important for us to talk about. I think the most important verse right now is Hebrews 11-3, which I had you go to. Now, I put all the different translations up here. Let's look at the first one, New King James. That's what I like. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That's your Christian defense of creation. I believe in faith that God created the heavens and the earth, and I believe He used things that you can't see. That's it. And you know what? I'm completely okay with that. Completely okay with that. King James, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things that do appear, which do appear. So if somebody says, prove to me God created the world, I believe in faith he did. Now once again, some of you may say, James, don't say it, but I can't show you the things that he did. 
Because according to Genesis 1-1, he spoke and it existed. Like that. And I just believe it. And I'm foolish. I'm ignorant. I'm dumb for believing those things. That's why it says by faith. By faith we understand. Go to the next slide, if you will, Dustin. Look at the New Living Translation. Through faith we understand that the worlds which were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In NIV, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So the Bible says right here, right now, if you want to believe that God created the heavens and the earth, it takes two things. You believe, number one, in faith He did it. Number two, you have to believe the way He did it, how He did it, does not actually visibly appear. That's how it happens. That's what's important for us as Christians. If you feel it's your personal burden to try to go prove to people that God exists, I'm just encouraging you to say that's not your burden. God does not need you to prove that He exists. He does not. He knows He exists. We know He exists. I'm under no obligation or proof to prove to you that He exists. Because when you are ready to learn and see and know Him, He will make Himself known to you. That's the way it works. Horrible analogy, and I can't believe I'm even using this analogy, but it keeps coming back to my mind. One of my favorite movies of all time. Remember the Jimmy Stewart movie, Harvey? Remember that? The six-foot-tall rabbit. No, Does anybody even know what I'm talking about? Thank you, Tina. Thank you, a few of you. You guys are saved. I love you. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart believes in a six-foot-tall rabbit. And the whole movie, he's not trying to prove to anybody the six-foot-tall rabbit exists. They all think he's crazy. And at the end of the movie, what do you see? The six-foot-tall rabbit puts a hat on and walks out the door. Go watch Harvey. That's your biblical homework here now for the rest of the night. The, the point is this. That guy has a peace and comfortability in thinking everybody thinks he's weird. See, almost as a Christian, we're ashamed of saying, I, I believe God created everything. I do. I believe God created the heavens and the earth. I believe in Genesis 1-1. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's factual, and I believe it in faith. We'll prove it. I believe it in faith. Hebrews 11-3. That's an important point to be noted. I am not against Christian apologetics. I am not against people that have made wonderful, and I stress this, wonderful DVDs, wonderful teachings that do bring in scientific elements, that do bring in these wonderful points. They mix it with Scripture, and it's beautifully presented, and I love it. If you know somebody who truly is interested in that, and you know somebody who's truly searching spiritually, there's some great stuff you can get in their hands. There really is. But ultimately what it comes down to is, in faith, we believe this, and that's what happens. Now, that's what's so hard about teaching Genesis 1. Because when I teach Genesis 1, I want to go into verse 2 and say, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and morning were the first day. See, I want to get into the science of that, and really what Hebrews tells me is, Wait a second, it's faith. Not opposed to the science, because Christianity has nothing to hide, but it's by faith you believe that. Now, what's happened in the world today? Dustin, can you go to the next slide? Here's the problem. What's happened today? Look at 2 Peter 3, 5. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. 2,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit led Peter to write that verse, 2,000 years ago he said people will start to willfully forget. Some translations say deliberately forget that God created the heavens and the earth. You are living in a fulfilled prophecy of that verse right now. People willfully, deliberately choose to ignore the creation of God. 
This is the, the most amazing thing that God has done, and people willfully choose to ignore it. I don't know why they do that. I think what happens once again is Christians, we start feeling dumb. We start feeling like, well, we can't get into the science of this, and therefore I'm not going to bring it up. We've already established Hebrews 11, by faith we believe this. We've already established here in Second Peter that God says that people will willfully, deliberately forget. Do not be shocked when you run into people that don't believe in creation. God said that's what's going to happen. We know it, because look at this great verse in Isaiah 45. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. I love that verse. God created the earth with a specific purpose. That specific purpose was to be inhabited. We are a unique creation in the world. Some of you know this. I love astronomy. I love getting outside with the telescope at night. I love looking at these things. And as you are looking at the planets and you're realizing how far away they are, then you're looking at stars and galaxies and clusters, and you put this all into perspective. It's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. And then you stop and you think that the earth is uniquely created to be inhabited. There's this big push right now, and I follow this a lot because I like astronomy, where they find what they call planets, exoplanets that go into another solar system. And then they find these exoplanets that may live in something called the uh, habitable zone, where there possibly could be life. And there's this big push to find one of these planets that have life on it. My personal opinion, take it or leave it. I stress personal opinion. I think part of the reason there's a push for that, because if they can find out that life is not unique, well, then what's the purpose of a unique creation by God? See, we are uniquely created by God. That's what Isaiah 45, 18 is saying. Earth is uniquely created. So therefore, we are a unique creation. God has a plan for this. Look at Psalm 115. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. That's a unique spot of creation. And God says, this is something we need to understand as Christians. The importance of this. What have we established thus far? If you can believe Genesis 1-1, you can believe anything else the Bible has to say. That's why Genesis 1-1 is under attack. We understand, according to Peter, that people will deliberately, willfully forget creation. We understand that we need to understand the uniqueness of where we're at. That God created us, and this is something that he does. This is his witness. This is his testimony to the world. Turn, if you will, with me to Romans 1, please. Romans 1. Dustin, can you go to the next slide, please? What's that? There is no other slide. That's why I'm having to go to Romans 1. Thank you. As we're going to Romans 1, does anybody have any quick questions, comments here about anything we've covered thus far? Marcus. That's, that's extremely eloquently put, and, and I will try to sum it up, but you said it wonderfully there. We look at the problem is we look at science as the benchmark, where really creation is the benchmark. And people use science then, where really they should be using creation to understand more of the science is what you're saying there. And it's very eloquently put. Creation trumps anything and everything. And God has given us minds and wisdoms, and with that mind and wisdom, we have science. We are able to investigate, and what do we investigate? We investigate the creation that God gave us. That's a great point there. Anybody else have anything here before we move on to the next thing? 
Okay. This is the importance of creation here. Look at Romans 1, please. Romans 1. And let's go ahead and pick it up in verse 20. It says, For since the creation of the world has invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Verse 20 is vital. You want to see God? Verse 20, he says, look at creation. Look at that. Romans 1.20 tells us, God's invisible attributes are seen through creation. That's why creation is under attack. If you take away creation, you take away the attributes of God. And so what it says right here, that they are without excuse. Meaning, if somebody would happen to say, well, I have never seen faith or evidence of God. God's response to that is, you can look out the window and see creation. Creation is enough of a witnessing tool to be used. It is. It it takes a lot, a lot to look out the window, see creation, and say, I believe that happened by chance. Now they will come back and say, well, I think it takes a lot to believe that some invisible God created it. By faith, I believe that. And I believe that God is clearly seen. Look at verse 20. Clearly seen, so they're without excuse. See, it's that classic example. When I look outside and I see the sunset, I think of something beautiful that God did. When you travel around the world and you see these amazing things, it's, it's a testimony to God's creation. Now just stop and think about this for a second. What we are seeing now is a world that is cursed. Imagine how amazing it was before the curse even happened. I went out yesterday to do something for the boys, and what did I do? Stepped on a bee. Got stunned. It's a cursed world. So, that's what happens. And I can imagine seeing a world that's not cursed. Look at verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Boy, is that not the truth? Professing to be wise, they became fools. Some of the dumbest people I've ever met are the smartest people I've ever met. They have so many letters after their name that they have done amazing things in college. But yet, what they come out of is this foolishness when it comes to spiritual matters. Verse 23, And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed things and animal creeping things. See, what basically they're saying is they created their own God. I mean, isn't that what's happened? When you reject Genesis 1-1, when you reject creation, you're really creating your own idea of God. That's a really dangerous place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point there, is that when people believe in something along that type of line, there is an element of faith in that. Now, they would come back to us and say there's a lack of evidence for us. But at the same time, too, whatever you choose to believe in, you're placing faith in something. And, and I think we have a tendency to forget that. People believe in something. They do. And you're placing faith in that evidence that you see. You know, for us as Christians, it comes down to the invisible attributes of God. Hebrews 11, it comes down to what we said right here. we got to remember that. So, what happens is they reject creation, they reject what he does, and so when they reject it, what happens then? Verse 24, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts, and to dishonor their bodies among themselves. See, what happens is when people let go of creation, they create their own God, and as they create their own God, it really is just a creation of sin. That just keeps on going and going and going. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Can Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Colossians. Colossians. Because as we read here in Genesis, and we read that first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There's that Spirit of God there, and I think that's important. We see another element here of creation, that when we reject creation, we're really rejecting Jesus. Colossians 3, please. Actually, it's Colossians 1. Colossians 1. I think it's important to know that the Bible stresses that the Trinity was at creation. God the Father, the Spirit, and we now Christ was too. Look at Colossians, please. Colossians 1. Look at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's important. Now that phrase there, the firstborn of all creation, that firstborn means priority, not birth order. It's very important to see that. When we use the term firstborn in our English language, Elias is my firstborn. Well, it means he was the first one born of the kids. That word in the Greek literally means priority. It's saying that Jesus is above all this. He is the most important priority because he is the one that created it. So now look at this one more time. Verse 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things are created through him and for him. When you take away creation, you're taking away Jesus' say in the world. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. Because if you understand that he is the number one, now you understand verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. See, that's what's so important. When you understand creation, you understand that God created it, you understand Jesus had a role in it, now you understand why Jesus has a say in what we do. See, if you take away creation, you're taking away God's reign. You're taking away God's rule. He no longer has say. It's not his. It just happened. No, it's his. He created it. Since he created it, now it's his. His fingerprints are on it. Jesus had a role in it. And so since Jesus had a role in it, now you see the importance of Jesus being the first, the head, if you will, over all of this. That's a very, very important point. Because if you're not willing to accept Jesus being the head of over things, why would you trust Him as your Lord and Savior? See, this is why creation actually means also salvation. We have to understand that God created everything to also understand that we're subject to Him. And since we're subject to Him, my sin is not just something that happens. My sin now carries a penalty to the Creator. And as it carries a penalty to the Creator, the Creator has to take care of this problem. I can remember Dawn and I for years, probably the first, uh, I lose track, first 11 years we married, were married, we rented. And I tell you, and I don't know about you guys, the arrangement we had where we rented with our landlords, it was absolutely wonderful. Something small happened, we took care of it. Something big happened, you just call the person and say the furnace is out. And they take care of it. Now, we build a house and we've had the house here for about the last seven years. Now when the furnace goes out, I don't know who to call. So it's me. Because now I'm the one in charge. And I don't mean this in some cocky way. I created that house. That's mine. I'm responsible now. When you rent, there's still one other person that you can say, Landlord, this isn't working. Same thing here with God. He created this. He created this world. Now as He created this world, He now also says, I will help save this world. See, that's the beautiful thing about creation. 
When you accept that God created the heavens and the earth, you're accepting there's a God that loves you, that created you, that wants to have a role in your life. And even though there is sin, He also takes care of that sin through another part of the creation, Jesus, who helped create this. And Jesus says, I will now come down and take care of this sin problem for you. That's a loving creator. That's a beautiful picture there. And all this comes down to believing this in faith. Anybody have any quick questions, comments here before we move on here with the other stuff? Okay. One last thing. Can you go to Hebrews 11, please? Hebrews 11. We only got a few minutes left. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 explains to us the great definition of faith. It says, verse 1 of Hebrews 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What a great verse right there. Every translation says that a little different. My new King James, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My faith helps me see things that, I, that are unseen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Here's a verse that we start out with. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Jump right down to verse 4. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so he did not see death, and was found because God had taken him. For before he was taken he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6 is what I wanted you to get to. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. See, we can sit here and talk about creation, we can talk about all this stuff. Really what it comes down to in verse 6 is God wants you to trust Him. And it's not just about creation. See, if you can believe Genesis 1-1, then that faith carries over to everything else. If you believe in Genesis 1-1, that means you also have faith that the Lord can still move and work in your life. You have faith that that co-worker, that friend, that family member that doesn't know Christ can come to know Christ. You have faith that this very dark situation you're in right now, that there is hope. You have faith that your kid can be saved, your marriage can be restored, that the God will provide a job, that God will provide health. You have faith. Why? Because you can believe Genesis 1-1. As it was said, if you can believe Genesis 1-1, you can believe anything. If you're having a difficult time right here in northwest Ohio, I don't know what it is. Problems at home, problems at work, whatever. They do not compare to creating the world in six days out of nothing. It does not. So it blows my mind, and I, and I will pick on you when I say this. It blows my mind if you struggle with a problem here. If you believe Genesis 1-1, then can't you believe God can move and work? I've had people tell me this before, and I've used that example to them. They'll come and say, this marriage will never work out. I'll never find a job. I'll never find a wife. I don't know. Fill in the blank. And I'll say, do you believe Genesis 1-1? Well, of course I do. Well, if you can believe Genesis 1-1, then you can believe that God will take care of this problem. Well, I don't think he can do this. You are right. Finding a job in Northwest Ohio is harder than creating the world in six days. And it just doesn't make sense. Faith. You want to make God happy? Verse 6, have faith. How simple is that? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. I had somebody come up to me one time and they just said very simply, very honestly, sincerely, I want to please God. Okay, have faith. And they said, no, there's got to be more. Hebrews eleven six. Trust me, He says. If you can trust He created this, you can trust that He will get you through whatever you're facing right now. 
whatever problem it is, is not too big for God. Faith, you trust Him. That's what it comes down to. Does anybody have any final questions, comments here? We don't got enough time to get into the rest of the stuff. So I said we may only do Genesis 1 1. Yeah, David. That's the thing about faith. It comes down to having that faith to believe that there are the invisible attributes of God that are clearly clearly seen throughout creation. And and what a unique statement. Invisible attributes of God are seen. (laughs) But by faith it is. By faith you trust. Anybody else have any final things they want to say before we close up? All right. We'll continue on in Genesis 1 next week. Then let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your creation. Help us to never willfully forget what you have done. Because we, Lord, we know that your creation sets the tone for everything else. You've created us. You have a plan for us. You'll take care of us. You can move mountains in our lives, Lord. Thank you for that. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. You guys have a good week and God bless.